our God is God of new beginnings. So take a deep breath. Let go of yesterday, its failures, regrets, guilt, and inadequacy. Embrace this day, for this is God's great gift to you. Lift up your hearts, and we're going to learn together how to find God in this day. And the word for this day, well, let me, let me, let me start with this. What's the one thing you don't have to teach a child? You're going to teach a child uh, how to walk, how to talk, how to feed themselves, how to clothe themselves. What's the one thing you don't have to teach a child? And the answer is, you don't have to teach a kid how to lie. Why not? Well, we all somehow learn that on our own. Uh, developmental psychologists, like accepted wisdom is that kids learn to lie about the time they're two years old or so. Although there are folks who say, actually, little infants learn how to use their bodies to disguise what's really going on inside, even younger than that. I'm on the road right now, and I wasn't planning on doing a video today, but there was a story that became public today that was too ironic, too striking, gets to the core of these kind of issues. There's a uh, academician, a researcher connected with Harvard who has been placed on leave. A number of papers, some of which have been cited hundreds of times, are being retracted by journals because of fabricated data. The irony is that one of the areas of study for this particular academician is honesty. And there's quite a famous string of studies that indicated, for example, if people uh, attest to their honesty, if they sign a statement saying, I'm being honest, at the beginning of a paper, it could be uh, a test where they don't think anybody would know if they were cheating, but researchers are able to know. It could be a tax document. Uh, if people attest to their honesty at the beginning, they're more likely to be honest. It turns out that that study may not have been honest, that that finding may not actually be accurate. And the irony of somebody who is devoting themselves to the study of how to be more honest, but I think that I'll fudge the data so I can become famous as the honesty expert, is um, uh, deeply illustrative of the human condition. And it would be easy for me to judge that, except that I'm in precisely that boat. It's easy for me to say, well, I want to be really successful in my field, and my work of trying to convince people that it's worth dying to themselves to follow Jesus. And so I will uh, use sin if I need to in order to try to get other people to think that I'm really good at convincing other folks to die to themselves in order to follow Jesus. It's it's the nature of sin that it worms its way into all of us in really deep fashions. And we see this at the beginning. This is in Genesis chapter 3, this passage we've been looking at around the fall, where the text says, Now the serpent was more crafty or shrewd than any of the wild animals the Lord God made. And that word is a very interesting and ambiguous one, crafty or shrewd. could be positive, wise, uh, can be negative, uh, wily, deceptive, deceptive. As you may know, the accuser, the evil one in Scripture, among other things, is known as the father of all lies. Because truth belongs to God. God created truth. God wants us to live in truth. And to intentionally keep another person from living in truth is to not deny them access to reality. It's a little betrayal. And yet we all do it. The serpent said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? 
So it's a very complicated story. We often think of the eating of the fruit as the first sin, but actually there is sin, defiance of God's will, and betrayal of the truth before that happens, and it happens here on the part of the serpent. And it's not exactly a lie. The, the Part of the way that we're able to tell ourselves it's okay to lie is that it's not exactly a lie. He doesn't deliberately misquote God. He just raises this question in a way that he knows will sow doubt and confusion in the mind of the woman. And so she responds, we can eat from any tree, but God did say, and she actually makes things a little bit more severe. And then the serpent says, you will not surely die. And again, here the language is so ambiguous. It may be saying, um, it is not certain that you will die, or it may be that he wants her to understand, oh, for sure, you will not die, that won't happen. God knows when you eat of it, your eyes will be open, you will be like God. This uh, uh, ability, desire, temptation to want to shade the truth, to deceive another person in order to evade painful consequences or in order to obtain something that I really want is a deep, deep part of every human being. It's a deep part of every culture. Uh, part of the irony of our own country is that probably the most famous story of truth-telling is about George Washington. You might know about this story. It used to get talked about quite a lot. Um, it's from a book by Parson Weems. He was a pastor, and he wrote the first biography of George Washington. And he tells the story about how George, when he was six years old, got a, a little hatchet. But one day his dad came home and saw his prized, beloved cherry tree was gone and said, who chopped down my cherry tree? And finally, little George comes up and says, Father, I cannot tell a lie. It was me. And then in the book, the father's response is, oh, George, come run into my arms. You have repaid me a thousand times over. Your truthfulness is worth a thousand trees with silver blossoms and golden fruit. The only bad thing is that story was almost certainly made up by Parson Weems. The most famous story about truth-telling in American political history was a lie. And this goes deep inside every one of us. And there's a deep shame about lying and be caught in, being caught in lies. But the reality is we all do it. Many, many years ago, our family was on a trip, and one of our kids had done something that was wrong. It was really clear they had done it. I didn't have a smoking gun, but it was very clear that they had done it. But they were arguing with me, trying to convince me that they had not done it, and I was not believing them. And then this child eventually said, Dad, don't you believe me? You don't think I would lie to you, do you? And my initial response was just to knee-jerk say, Oh, honey, of course not. I would never... And then, I, and then what I actually said was, of course I believe you would. Everybody I know lies. I lie. Your mother lies. There is no human being that I know that don't. Mostly I think you tell the truth. But do I think you would lie? Yes, I do. And this gets to a deep part of the human condition um, that, generally speaking, we want to do what is right, but we're prepared to do what is wrong if we think we need to do it. It is in our little toolkit for managing life because we do not really trust God. One of Dallas Willard's favorite stories in this regard, I've heard him tell it a number of times, was a little girl who was asked, what is a lie? And her response was, a lie is an abomination unto the Lord and a very present help in time of need. And that's generally the way that we mostly regard it.
Uh, I know I shouldn't do it, but man, if I need it, and I think in my own life, uh, at a uh, uh, real superficial level, somebody asks, do you know this person who used to attend the church where you used to serve? And I'll find myself just reflexively thinking, well, I don't want them to think I'm some aloof person that didn't know and care about the people. So I want to say yes, or maybe, or some kind of evasive answer rather than just honestly, nope. Or I'm late for a meeting, and I want to say, man, the traffic was really bad. It's kind of not quite live. When is the traffic not really bad? Instead of saying the reality is I just didn't have the discipline to leave with enough time to be there for this meeting. And it goes much deeper. When I think about times that I have cheated, I have lied, it just brings up great shame. And if we get caught in it, if I get caught in it, it can be such a shame-inducing thing. So gang, we are the fellowship of the withered hand. I can't. I don't have the power to speak truth on my own. But God, if you allow me to live more deeply in your love, if we can enter into this new kind of fellowship, Paul says when he's writing to the church at Colossians, the third chapter, and do not lie, or you could translate it, stop lying to one another, for you have put off the old self with its practices. See, for every one of us just growing up, this is part of where uh, this notion that sin just gets inside of us, to deceive gets inside of us early on. We need help with this. It's a practice of the old self. Or David the psalmist in Psalm 51, 6, God you desire truth in the inmost parts. It begins by being deeply honest with myself and deeply honest with God, deeply honest with my thoughts as they come into my mind. So today, as best I can, as best you can today, seek to be a lover of truth. Don't allow shame to flood the situation. Just be curious. What is truthful right now? about what I'm understanding, what I want, what I feel. How can I begin with the inner parts of being truthful and then aim at speaking truth with my lips? God, help me to do this. The truth about me, as shameful as it is to me when I'm caught specifically in it, is I lie. I hide. I deceive. I too am crafty. I too am the serpent. A lie, too, to me, is a very present help in time of trouble. But in my best self, I don't want that. I want there to be truth in the inmost parts. I want for my wife and my children, for my mom and my siblings and my friends, the people around me, to know that I am a truth teller, a truth speaker, a truth lover. That's the word for today. End of teaching. Beginning of your honest day with God. Thanks for joining us. My name is Tim. I'm a part of the team here at Become New. If you'd like to receive the emails that go along with each video, you can let us know at becomenew.com slash subscribe. Or if you'd like to receive a text alert whenever we release a new video, you can text the word become to the number 855-888-0414.
444. If you have a prayer request, please let us know. You can text that request to that same number, 855-888-0444. There's a group of us who meet every day to pray over those requests. So we look forward to hearing from you. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.